0: ministering to someone I see along the road who's, you can tell they're struggling I'm going to stop I'm going to minister, I'm going to pray for him yeah. of course that's normal for a missionary, you would never be like, oh that's strange, now a business owner in a car doing that in Lancaster uh, now that's, you're starting to turn some heads at this point, <laughs> you're right? on the fringe now, right?
1: My name is Dave Smucker. I'm privileged to be your host. I'm here with my friend, Brandon Stolsous. Uh Brandon, we were chatting here a little bit already, but man, I just want to uh, invite our guests into this space, and I would love for uh, you to give just a brief introduction of who are you, Yep. what's your family, what, what are you about, who are you? Sounds
0: good. Uh, so like you said, I'm Brandon, and... Uh I don't know it's hard describing who I am is, is sometimes hard so i I would I we lived in Uganda for five years the last five years mm-hmm. and uh, in the last five years just doing living in the mission world doing all kinds of stuff in in Uganda and, and just loved our time there and it mm-hmm. was amazing uh, and then obviously came back from Uganda back in April uh, I was blessed with an opportunity to go into business and join a business partnership with my with my twin brother and another brother and then a business partner and have been doing that now for the past six months and Mm. uh yeah so that's what i what we we uh we do campgrounds we own and manage campgrounds and uh you know my, I'm passionate about bringing, bringing the relationship with the Lord and, mm. and bring a missional focus to the business world. That's where we are right now. So yep. transitioning from living in the mission field to living in the business world and, yep. and being missional the same is, is yep. definitely what I'm passionate about at this point in my life. Yep. So, and I believe you have yep. a
1: purpose partner called Jen or Jenica. My wife's mean? name is Jen, <laughs> <Yes>. absolutely. <laughs> my wife's name is Jen. We have uh, we
0: have four kids, a fifth one on the way. Wow. Uh, the next one, she the baby's due March 7th, so yep. we're having a baby boy. We're pretty stoked about so, that.
1: Tell me more about the kids because it's not your typical family, right?
0: It's a yeah. beautiful, diverse family. So yeah, tell definitely. me a little
1: bit more about the kids.
0: Yeah. So, so we would have, um, within the first year of being married, uh, we moved to Uganda and we were pregnant with the first baby. Um, and so we had Alea in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time we moved to Uganda, we adopt. We, we started the foster, um, we started the foster Joshua. Jen was his very first sponsor in Uganda, and yeah. so when we moved there, we, we started, he started living with us right away, so we had Alea and Joshua, um, so we went from, you know, obviously no kids, uh, newly <laughs> married to Uganda, and immediately two kids, so that was yeah. definitely a challenge, and uh, so yeah, we had um, them, and then uh, shortly after that, Abby came into our lives as a little baby, came into love and care, didn't have any family, uh, so we we. Abby came into our home. We started fostering her, and initially it was just, we're just going to watch her for a little bit, yeah. um, but that quickly changed. <laughs> uh, and so then we had Abigail join our family. So we had Joshua, Abigail, and Aleah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of years later, as we're living in Uganda, yeah. we, we, had, uh, we had another one who's Hadassah. She's two years old now. Yeah. So we have Joshua now, who's uh, 13. We have Abigail and Aleah, who are five. And then we have Hadassah, who's two. And then we have another one coming in March. So
1: <laughs> March of and March, we're here in twenty twenty four already. Twenty twenty four, March already, of twenty twenty four. You'll have a have a, It's just amazing. We'll have five of us. Yeah. So the backstory is, you get married, you mm-hmm. and Jen move mm-hmm. to Uganda as missionaries. Yep. She's already uh, has a sponsor child mm-hmm. who's Joshua. For years before that, right? And for so years, then when you yeah. get over there, you move there. It was like, well, hey, that was a natural step for this child mm-hmm. that she was already connected to and false. I mean, yep. sponsoring to become foster parents too. And that's, and so how soon were you living in Uganda after you got married? Roughly
0: six months, 12 months after we got married. So we were, we were married for, uh, we lived in, we lived in Lancaster, uh, for about, see, I'm trying to think now we would have gotten married in February. Uh, and we moved to Uganda the following December, so it would have been a little bit, almost a month less than a year. Essentially, is when we we yeah. cherished that year. That was that yeah. was an amazing, amazing time. The Lord did some awesome about stuff about hitting the
1: ground running. So. Though you get married all, yep. and less than a year later, you're living less in Uganda, year, yeah. you're pregnant with your first child, right. and you bring in the foster yep. boy who is Joshua, who you now adopted, mm-hmm. and then you have two five-year-olds because mm-hmm. again, uh, Abigail shows up as yep. a child at the home where you're serving. And it's like, well, foster that child, right? Yeah, we got yeah. a home, we got a spot, you fall <laughs> yeah. in love. Yep. And now you're adopting them. Yep. Um, and we were talking about that just a little bit before, uh, before we are met here about that adoption process. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear, so you were in Uganda, what, about five years we, we were there five
0: years, yeah. It yeah. would have been almost exactly five years. And so
1: what was a barrier to you coming back and stepping into your next season, potentially here in the U.S., was you needed them to be, the adoptions to go through, yep. and you needed their U.S. citizenship. So I would exactly. just love to hear you uh, talk about some of the miracles you experienced oh, in yeah. that process.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the biggest— uh, obviously, adopting from anywhere is is a challenge for sure, and specifically from Uganda is is a whole other level just because of the amount of corruption in the government. That's that that makes it so hard. Mm-hmm. So you know you can imagine adopting somebody, and and you know here in America you have a, a five step process pretty much, or sometimes it's a ten step, but there's a process for everything. So if you need a passport, you follow the five steps, you get your passport, and you're you're done. Uh, whereas in, in Uganda, there's a five step process, but you can follow that five step process and never get your document Mm -hmm. because there's some office somewhere in the back that you got to go pay Mm a hundred bucks to actually get the documents you need. Mm -hmm. That was the hardest thing of the whole adoption process is obviously following the steps, but then also trying to figure out who needs to be blessed with lunch (laughs) and and who needs to be patted on the back or who, yeah, who, who that person is you need to talk to to actually get your document. And and as a believer, it can be really hard because you don't ever want to feed into corruption. Yeah. So obviously, you try not to ever you try to follow the process and the legal process as much as you can. But the reality is, in a country like that, if you're if you don't have a little bit of a, a wiggle room there, it's just not going to happen. Wow. And and that was hard. That was the hardest thing for us to get over. Yeah, the uh, mental was, like was, a mental block almost of like we are going to have to engage in yeah. what we don't want to engage in. Yeah, that. exactly. Or it's just not going to happen. And 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 so. So we, we tried our best to you know, obviously follow We did. I mean, we followed the legal process through the yeah. whole thing, but just, yeah. you know, that was the challenging, yeah. really challenging part of it. And so many miracles in that process. Uh, I mean, just from p- getting signatures from people that we never met and, and randomly a, a social worker that's an incredible social worker. You meet him somewhere, at a random restaurant, yeah. uh, or he, he we actually were connected to him through a random person that we met uh, through a missions page. And just incredible. Like meeting, meeting that person and that person connects you to another person Mm -hmm. who connects you to another person. It's just miracle after miracle after miracle. Um, and then, and then bringing them to the U S like that was the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles. It seemed, we felt like the Lord told us we're bringing them to the U S in 2023 and the beginning of 2023, it was not happening. We had so many documents that were needed and and people told us it's like a 2% chance of getting a U.S. visa, uh, for Ugandan, And, and we just didn't agree with that just because we're believers. So we, we uh we applied for it reached out to our, our US congressman Lloyd Smucker and uh just explained the situation and it was within uh a couple of months that we we had visas for for oh. Joshua and Abby and that seemed so surreal and and so we we found out that our adoptions were finalized i i think it was um it was february or march uh that the ugandan side was done and that was a huge celebration 5 <laughs> years of of paperwork and uh so Found that out, and then it was about a, a couple of months later um, that we—or it was about a month and a half later, I guess, is when yeah. we got the U.S. visas to come yeah. over here, and, and then in April's when we, yeah. we came over. It's just so,
1: remarkable, it's anyway, nice. because in all of that, being connected as friends through community, you name it, collaborating for things. Yes. So we were somewhat connected, but it's still long-distance relationships, and yes. you don't know what's happening in the day-to-day. And right. I just remember there was this thing where we are in Uganda until God says we're not, and mm-hmm. we're going to wholeheartedly live here we're going to love the, our children. We're going yep. to be a family and we are going to see the kingdom expanded right here. Yes. Until other he says otherwise. Right. But there was this always thing that I remember that was this thing of like, well, someday we want to bring the whole family to the US. Mm-hmm. And it was always out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember those last couple months was almost shockingly speedy because it was like, well, this probably, this is what we're sensing, mm-hmm. but probably not going to happen. And then suddenly I remember getting a message one day I was like, It's through. We're coming to the U.S. So (laughs) so there were
0: some actual miracles within that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, and and Jen does a lot better job of actually writing those things down. You know, I (laughs) just— So (laughs) now that you're in the U.S., again,
1: you've had significant transition. What are you giving the bulk of your time to now as a family? So now you have all four children here. Mm -hmm. You and Jen are living in central Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. What do you guys give your time to as a family?
0: Yeah, so initially when we came, we did not know— how long we'd be here because we actually thought we would have to go back in October because you can only legally stay in the U S for six months on a, on a U.S. tourist visa. So, Uh, Number one, when we came over, a lot of our time was just meeting people, hanging Mm -hmm. out with people, and then obviously working on actually trying to make it so we can stay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was – a lot of our time initially was spent, at least for me, was paperwork and stuff with the USCIS and and getting all that stuff, U.S. citizenship stuff through and extending visas and miracle after miracle there as well. Uh, So that was – that whole process led us to a business partnership where we own and manage campgrounds. Um, and that's right now, it's, it's pretty much a, a, the majority of my time is, is managing the campground mm-hmm. that we live at. Yeah. Uh, and then of course also, um, you know, going out and looking at properties to purchase mm-hmm. for the you know, here in the future and the near yeah. future as well. So, um, mainly, you know... Mm-hmm. Looking at properties, um, and managing the, the properties we already have—that's mm. uh, that's the bulk of our time right now. Is 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 pretty much that right there. Yep. So. so it's not like you came here thinking you're going to do business. It just no. fell in your lap. Exactly. It literally. It, well, you know, I've always loved it, and I, I know I've shared with you, and I've shared with many people. I I love business. I've always loved mm. business. I just never felt the Lord. Calling me into it, yeah. and and when we felt that release and the Lord saying it's time to go after that, I was so thrilled and I went in like, just like with everything else. Everything, one hundred percent, percent. Read books about it. I'm going to meet with people. I met yeah. with like fifteen different people and just yeah. trying to educate myself and yeah. get to a point where I'm ready for this. Yeah. And and uh, and yeah, so it's it's been really good. Yeah. I would say the bulk of my time now, or a lot of my time right now, also is is studying and learning. Mm-hmm. I certainly feel like there's a, there's so much to learn, yeah. um, and and so I've I've been also spend a lot of time trying to educate myself, mm-hmm. you know, especially with real estate and yep. property and, yep. uh, you know, now being in business, you know, mm-hmm. business models and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, the people I work with are incredible, you know, yep. Benji and John and Merv, they've, they've taught yep. me so much and yep. I just feel really privileged to be in that. Partnership so, good. Too, so But
1: then there's like, life happens as a family and community mm-hmm. and your pursuit of the Lord. Like talk to me a little bit. You talked about the Wednesday yep. night prayer meetings. Like what does life look like outside of business? Oh, I love that. How question. do you, how do you do kingdom? Yeah. Like, right how on. do you do great, kingdom? Great, lifestyle? Great
0: question. So I, I, I always share with people when I was a missionary in Uganda. Uh, all you, you'd send teams over, and one of the I talk about it all the time is you don't move to another country to be a missionary. You're missional first, and no matter where you are, if you're missional in Lancaster and then you move to Uganda, you're you're a missionary. You know because you live in a foreign country, and but the mission side doesn't change. You're still a missional person, mm-hmm. and when that's who you are, it doesn't matter where you are. So. And and I was passionate about that coming back. In that, if I do go into business, and when we go into business, I want it to be the same. I want to be as missional as I was when I was in Uganda. But I'm involved in business. Just a different context, exactly. So so I've spent we've spent a ton of time uh, delving into that kind of and and you know what does it look like to be in business and be missional, and and so yeah like. Uh, you know prayer meetings obviously well, that's something that the Lord's called us to years ago was mm-hmm. to dedicate one night a week where we just gather with people and pursue after the Lord on, on an individual mm-hmm. basis yep. corporately but individually seek encounter you know so so every Thursday night we get together with and it's it's mostly our business partners and then some employees mm-hmm. and then some close friends in the area that get together and just pray and seek the Lord and mm-hmm. Ah, uh, worship. we do whatever, you know yeah. whatever the Lord wants us to do. Some yeah. nights we're praying the whole time, sometimes we're worshiping the whole time. Yeah. it just depends. Yeah. Uh, and it's and, and I'd like to see more lately the Lord has been really laying on my heart and and Mervin Ashley and Benji and Tanya specifically, just like uh, you know, i have, I feel like there's more. and I've always said this, but there's more here. there's more the Lord wants more, yeah. the Lord. I feel like there's more that we can give. I feel mm-hmm. like there's more. Um, you know just hunger like so much and, yeah. and lately especially it's just been uh, specifically for myself there's been this really rich kind of um, I don't know it's so hard to explain this this, this spirit of revival almost that's just kind of like a hunger mm-hmm. yeah hunger to just see the Lord move in yeah. that group yeah. so that's been every Thursday nights uh, every Thursday night we get together and do that and and lately, uh the The four of us business partners have been talking a lot about what does it look like to be missional business, mm-hmm. and outside of just giving money, you know uh adding you know we have business meetings once a week, so i you know brought it up the other day it's like well hey let's let's throw a prayer request section in this thing mm-hmm. uh and so we did like in our business meetings now we we have a section where we just talk about prayer requests, you know yeah. what are things we're praying over what are businesses yeah. that we we're praying about that we're supposed to purchase mm-hmm. or or the you know are the numbers making sense and you know, are we supposed to buy a property even if the numbers don't make sense? Well, the Lord says yes, absolutely. So, mm. so it's like stuff like that, and just adding, mm. trying to to not allow because I I know there's this there's a, a huge temptation to be distracted in business mm. where you 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 run things off of numbers yeah. uh, entirely and, and, what and not involve sense. the Lord, yeah. yeah, and 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 trying to play you know be in that balance where you involve the Lord in decisions as well as numbers, you know that combination, yeah. so. So it's been it's been yeah. so much fun, and sit in business meetings where you you have you have investors and you hey let's pray before we get started. You know that's, yeah. in the business world especially that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you're the least experienced <laughs> one sitting in the room. So, so it's uh, I've been trying to challenge myself in that, mm. uh, and it, and I love it.
1: I yeah. love it. So really, what I'm hearing is you have this beautiful diverse family, mm-hmm. and you're living that. You have your community gathering once a week for intentional prayer, and again, mm-hmm. man, any sort of complacency, any kind of passivity is not even in your vocabulary, not even no. in your wheelhouse, right? So you're gonna, no. you're, you're just not gonna be that, and right. so you're always gonna have, you're always gonna be driving for the next thing, absolutely, making sure that you're on the cutting edge, that you're in a tune with the Lord, and that you're yeah. going after that, and so you're even bringing that into the business sphere is really what that, I'm hearing.
0: Absolutely, and and I don't see it as, I don't see it as. I just see it that no matter what I'm involved in I have to be the same person. Yeah. You know, I I refuse to be uh, you know, this uh, this idea of separating business and missions or yeah. or this idea of separating my prayer life and business. It has to be the same. And if it's not the same, I'm just not interested. You carry
1: yourself you wherever know? you go, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. So if it means that my my prayer life or 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 my me as a missionary has to diminish to be rich, I'm not interested at all. Mm. I'm just not. You know, if it if it means that I get to be missional and seek after the Lord in prayer and in the spirit of revival I get to seek after those Mm. things in business, dude, I'm in. You know. So being in a business partnership that sees that as as valuable as I do is huge for sure. Yeah, and,
1: and I don't expect you to have an answer to for this, by the way, but I know you've bought some properties that had some very challenging dynamics involved. Like mm-hmm. they were very they were not kingdom properties. Right, you buy them and you want to see things cleaned up. You want to see mm-hmm. growth. So. As you're pursuing the Lord and as you're pursuing to establish the kingdom, mm-hmm. um, but you have some scenarios where you've got to make some hard choices. Absolutely. How yeah. do you make those choices? What's your process in that? Knowing
0: that there's somebody on the other side of that mm-hmm. living the life they are. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think I, I certainly don't feel like I have all the answers for this. Uh, you know, we just talked about it the other day. You know, we, we were talking about because the, the property that we have under contract right now, uh is you know you have to have the right kind of person because the truth is there are people that are going to have to be evicted to make mm-hmm. this business make sense so anyone who's a landlord understands this, yeah. you know, especially as a believer, it's yeah. not easy to kick somebody out of their house. But you also don't you know? can't just enable them to continue in exactly. some of the patterns that they were in and don't want to
1: leave. Right? Exactly. So, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And 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 here's where I'm at. Like specifically with the property you're referencing, there was people on that property that were just not good people. Yeah. I mean, the state police came in the one day and said, "Hey, by the way, here's two people you need to evict." And I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> thanks for your thanks for the help." You know. Yeah. So as I as I process that, you know. I still have to be missional. Like, there's there's a couple that you know we evicted, and, and they had to leave because not just because the business mm-hmm. said so, but because the campground wasn't safe. Yeah. And and so in the middle of that, in the middle of the eviction process, saying, hey, can I pray for you? And they're always like, oh, absolutely, yeah, pray for me, you know, because so so we go up we lay hands on them, we pray for them, and 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 I've seen that, I have seen that firsthand, just take away this kind of. Um, it's hard to explain. Like you know, you know, anyone who's worked with tenants that they're evicted knows what I mean. That I that they give you where yeah. you're the mean landlord yeah. that's kicking me out of my house. Yeah. Uh, but it just changes that to their humans, like you just said. And yeah. and and the biggest thing for me, and we talk about this all the time as 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 business partnership is making decisions not just from a business standpoint but from a from a from a believer as a believer being missional i'm going to pray for them and i'm i'm going to i'm gonna, i'm going to treat them as people i'm not going to treat them like some animal that i'm kicking out you know i want to i want to understand their situation i want to help them i want to pray mm-hmm but not in a way that enables them to continue the, this kind of damaging lifestyle yeah. that they've lived for so long. You yeah.
1: know? And you don't compromise morals or your biblical no. principles or your values right. to, to accompany them. Exactly yeah.
0: right, yeah. It, yeah. And, and so it's definitely a challenge. That's, that's one of the biggest challenges specifically with the last property is just the amount of people we had to evict, really. Sure. Um, but doing it in a way that— um, and, and and there's testimony there too. You know, we haven't. It's so one thing that's really hard that is to buy a property like that, and especially with a, with a with a commercial business, you know, to get to do it without getting terrible reviews, mm. because you're going to kick somebody out, they're going to be ticked off at you, and they're going to go just put a whole bunch of terrible reviews. And then yeah. it's hard, you know, you can get rid of them, but it's a process. Right. We've been so blessed because in this property, we haven't gotten a single bad review, and yet we've evicted like eight people. Wow. Uh, and so to me, that means that there is a kingdom way to do it that, that is beneficial on both ends, you know, where they, they're, they have to leave their property, but they're not being thrown to the streets. Yeah. They're being treated like human beings, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's an important thing yeah. to understand. And, and I, and I'm certainly not there, but I'm learning it. Yeah. Um, so it's been really good. Sometimes I get told I'm too soft, you know, that people <laughs> need to get out of that property. And I'm like, well, they're going but I also just prayed for this lady the other day that's a tenant right now that probably shouldn't be there should yeah. be kicked out probably but just prayed for her the other day cuz she never drivers license and her eyes were bad so she came in the office and you know she's explaining this to me and, and I said well hey let me pray for you so I laid hands on her prayed for her and like 3 days later she came back she said I got my license she lays a paper down <laughs> it's got a list of like 10 things she's like can you pray for these things too and I was like well absolutely you know and so yeah. So that's the thing is, you know, you don't want to just, um, you don't just want to kick somebody out. You want to yeah. treat them like a human. And yeah. so that's 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 the hard thing sometimes. Yeah. There's you know,
1: some so. nuance in that, and you just have yeah. to work it out relationally. Discernment as yeah. you go is really yeah. what I'm hearing. Allow
0: the Holy Spirit to lead yeah. every decision. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so it's, it's incredible to hear where you guys are at, some of the miracles that happened for you to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is this whole piece of what your time in Uganda was that, again, we could probably sit here and talk for yeah. a, a week about yeah. all of that. But I would love to hear just a snippet of who you were serving with while you were in yeah. Uganda. What, was, what were you investing your life in while you were in Uganda?
0: Yeah, so when we were in Uganda, we worked with Love and Care for All. So Love and Care is run by uh, Fatuma, who's Ugandan. She started it. She was a street child, and, and pretty much she was the founder. She raised that thing up. Uh, and then she's married to Darren, who is an American— um it's hard to put words around darren but he is an amazing amazing <laughs> yeah. loves the lord i yeah. love darren uh yeah. more than uh, he's just i love darren darren yeah. and fatuma they're amazing um so worked with them for the past five years they it's a it's a re, basically it's a rehabilitation home for street children so just working close we are we were told when we moved there to come behind darren and fatuma stand behind them stand with them support them Uh, and that's what we've tried to do. And that's what we want to continue to do. That's not Mm -hmm. something that's ending. That's something Mm -hmm. we want to continue to do is to, Mm -hmm. to support them and and come behind them and what they're doing. Uh, but essentially it was everything. I mean, everything from building to changing diapers to, uh, you know, coaching and mentoring children to starting a football academy, you name it, you know, a farm, all kinds of stuff came under, Mm -hmm. uh, basically coming behind darren and Fatuma and supporting them
1: so at the center there was this children's home and everything centered around supporting and educating and empowering the children to become leaders right yep so there was a school there was again a farm to grow Mm -hmm. food and all of that fun stuff and obviously you had to mentor and parent and disciple the children that were there exactly i would love to hear your thought on um, you've talked about it in the past around the best place for a child to grow up is in a safe environment with mm-hmm. family. Yes. And so I would love to hear, I, you guys were even very intentional to call it a children's home and not yep. an orphanage per se. Yep. And so just what's some of your thought process, what did you learn and what could you share with us around yep. the importance of that and what you learned in that?
0: Yes. I would say a lot of that um, came from Darren and Fatuma, specifically probably Fatuma. And uh, that she refuses to call any of her children an orphan. Mm. Um, and and so every child has a family somewhere, uh, whether it's parents, maybe not, but family somewhere. And that family, you know, they may not be believers, but it is still their family, you know. Mm. And and so we, we are very, especially at Love and Care, they're very intentional about treating children, uh, not as orphans, but that they have a family somewhere. And that for now, I'm their mom and dad. But eventually, uh, the goal is to, to reunite them back with their families mm-hmm. because that's really where they need to be. The reality is there are children that will never go back to their families because of the, the, just the situation is, is not going to work. But, mm-hmm. um, but still praying for them and, and teaching the children to pray for them. And, and, and it's been amazing because over the years that we've been over there, how we see children come in and they're so hard. They, they hate their family with a passion. They would never – they would say they would never going back. Uh, but then you work with them, you you pray for their families with them, you 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 mentor them. They spend time with you, and eventually you find these kids saying, "I want to go back home. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go back and visit family again. I'd like to see them." Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of parameters around that to make sure they're safe, of mm-hmm. course. Um, but it's been amazing to see that happen, and because I think you can pretty quickly label someone an orphan, and then they take on a certain even a spirit almost of a victim mentality almost or something where, where, or orphan spirit really uh, that you, I don't, I'm not excited about at all. So uh, just that's, that's a lot where that all came from. And Mm -hmm. and we just want to treat every child like, you know, they do, they have family somewhere and and trying to keep that mentality in them that I'm not here to replace your family. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm here to help you so that one day potentially you can go back to see your family and like I said, that's not always the case. I mean, obviously, our two adopted children that wasn't that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, and so they they didn't have parents. And there's there are those that that yeah. they won't. You know, Darren and Fatuma and love and care will always be their home. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the hard part sometimes. You know. So.
1: But yeah, for those even those that that love and care is their home and right. is their family. I mean, they're getting an education. I know you, they were starting a trade school, I believe, yep. to teach them trades. There are some that mm-hmm. do go to university or go you know, international for jobs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so what, I re, what always stood out to me with Love and Care's approach was saying, we want to reunite children with their families if possible. Yep. And if it's not possible, then we want to raise them up as the next leaders. We yep. don't want to just raise them until they're 18 and then yes. say, good luck. Right. They belong
0: to a family yep. like they normally, like in a family context. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and something that Darren's really passionate about, and, and over the five years that I was there, Darren and I had many, many conversations, well, all of us, not just Darren and I, about how can we, how, how can children come out of an organization like Love and Care in a healthy way? Because it's, it's really hard to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kids grow up in children's homes, and they're just given everything, their whole lives, and then, you know, how do you transition out of that into the real world? That's, that's a real serious question, especially in a third world country. Yeah. And, and so we, we talked a lot about how can we raise up and equip these kids to, mm-hmm. like you said, the ones who will be with us forever. I don't want to have a 23 year old, you know, living at the children's home that I'm still buying food and, you know, yeah. they don't know how to do anything. Yeah. So yeah, trade schools, you know, trying to create good exit programs for the kids where we can train and equip how to, how to handle money, how to use money, how to invest, mm-hmm. how to run businesses. Um, so it was wild, you know, even being a missionary, there was aspects of, of business that were still a part yeah. of every day, you know, yeah. so. So that's been really good,
1: yeah
0: um but yeah it's it's certainly a challenge, but yep. it's i I feel like love and care has a really good grasp on it, and i I feel like they're doing well with it, yeah. And here in the West
1: or the U.S., we wouldn't, we, we don't have the grid for how, how does a child end up in the street, right? Like Yeah. It's just, it just hardly happens. Right. But you guys consistently had, I believe, what, between 100 and 165 kids there. So some mm. would get reunited with their families. Yep. Some would choose the streets again. So right. your numbers fluctuated. But if yep. I'm not mistaken, there was, what, consistently towards last 130 yep. to 160 children exactly there right. about all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the story that stands out, because I'm like, okay, how how do we – relate with that? How could our guests relate with that? And the story that comes to mind is that young girl that got separated from her family and and her mother had given up hope, right? Her village was, the village was telling the mother, you need to move on. Your daughter died. And she said, I know she's alive. Could you share that story with us just to give us an illustration or example? That's one story, but how does a child get separated from family? Like what did that look like?
0: Yeah, for sure. And And I'll start by saying, you know it's not it's most people look at uganda and say they have a street child problem it, and i say it a lot it's it's not a street child it's a parent problem uh it's it starts with the parents and and that's why they have such a problem with street kids and it's it's a huge problem uh, they're running over the streets like it's so you it's have abuse crazy. at home and all of that abuse and, then, yeah. and, and neglection so and, and and it goes down to a lot of cultural, some cultural issues there too where uh so rebecca for example she would have you know she was living at home with her mom and dad and And a lot of times the dad can't make enough money to support the family, so he either moves on or he's working, you know, another country or he's working hours away where he's only coming to visit a couple times a week. Um, And a lot of times has a couple of wives in that situation or whatever. In Rebecca's situation, no one knew who the father was. Um, And so, you know, not knowing who who the father was, Uh, She was staying with her her mom, and her mom couldn't afford to take care of her anymore, and her sister needed somebody to help around the house because she had a couple kids, and so you send your daughter to your sister-in-law or your whatever to help them out. This is very common in Uganda you know yeah. kids a lot of times don't even know who their real parents are they just call their mom and dad whoever they're living with but some nations would
1: call it a rest of it where it's yep. basically almost borderline child slavery but yeah. it's...
0: yeah like you you'll basically borrow your child to another family because they need help yeah it's literally and how then it they works. can be
1: raised there and survive yeah. there but it's, and then and know. then
0: what happens a lot of times is 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 it's not their real mom it's their mother-in-law or it's their father-in-law that's abusive because it's not their actual kid and so there's favoritism and there's and so what happened to Rebecca is is she was moved to her, her I believe it was her mother-in-law or, or sorry, she was moved to her um, her aunt or something to help out didn't like it, it wasn't going well it was being abused I believe by her father by, by what was her father was actually like her uncle or something and so decided she's going to go back home and she's like 8 years old so she tries to just goes and gets on a bus thinking I'm going to go home and that bus is going who knows where and it winds up taking her to Masaka which is where love and care is and, it, and she's on the streets and she's an 8 year old girl and so, a lot of times in that situation, we work with the police and, and and different stuff. So they see this. And an eight-year-old girl in the streets is different than an eight-year-old boy. A lot of times, eight-year-old boys they'll just run away and they just let them on the streets. But an eight-year-old girl, they'll usually pick them up and try to find a home for them. So Rebecca comes to Love and Care. She stays with us for uh, all the way up until she was like in her she was in her teens. She was like fifteen. And we were uh very adamant about trying to find family. She always said she knew she had family and and we always try to talk to him about what the like village names you know last names, what's your family name like try to try to and she only thing she knew was some village name, and that was it and And so we obviously sent a social worker there to ask questions, "You know this, Rebecca, do you know her you know we we thought we had a last name, but we weren't sure and and social worker meets some dude in a bar and who's like, "Oh yeah, I think I might know." Uh, a relative and we were like wow okay so we we talk and like miracle after miracle after miracle and winds up going with some some random dude who takes him to a house and he goes in and and meets this lady who's she's an elderly lady she's not you know and 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 uh the late the village had kind of labeled her as a crazy person because her daughter disappeared years ago and she's always said my daughter's going to come back someday and and so the social worker meets with her and says well I think potentially we we have your daughter and the lady freaks out like freaks out and contacts us at love and care and says hey like uh we we feel like we might have found rebecca's parents and Mm -hmm. and so we we go and we we share the news with rebecca and it's an emotional moment for for all of us i mean it was pretty incredible this was one of the most dynamic like one of the most powerful stories in the whole time that we were there it was just amazing and and then um got to go with rebecca back to her village and the mom is emotional and the dad is emotional they thought she was dead like someone came to them years before and said your daughter died of covid uh and or, or not years before sorry it was this was all within yeah it was a couple of years there where she was told multiple times that her daughter had died basically mm-hmm. and then over covid they told her once again your daughter mm-hmm. and and so she it's just wild how it all came together and it was So she got reunited back with her family and and the village through this huge celebration and uh, they had this testimony time and the mom stands up and it's like, you know, God brought my daughter back. And if God can do this, God can do anything. And, And Darren, of course, preached a word and it, it was pretty incredible so come on that was amazing
1: so really what i'm hearing from your perspective in uganda you've got a real culture problem around parenting and yeah. neglect mm-hmm. and which creates a street child problem and then yeah. you guys were in the middle of that of providing a safe loving home for these children mm-hmm. ideally the so you'd hired social workers ideally got them connected to their actual relatives Absolutely. so they could be in a safe environment mm-hmm. and if you couldn't get them connected or it wasn't a safe environment then you wanted to raise them into responsible adults being leader the next leaders of uganda Uganda. Absolutely right. Yep. So you guys had, I mean, I know from a, from an outside perspective, I don't know how much you want to share, but mm-hmm. I know from an outside perspective, I mean, you guys got married less than a year later, you're mm-hmm. over there and you're a process of adopting two children. You have two of your own. Yep. I mean, you have w- the, the need, the mm-hmm. amount of need in relation to the capacity you had was completely overwhelming. Yeah. And you guys gave it everything you have mm-hmm. and poured out so much. Yeah. And so how did you foster and preserve personal or spiritual, emotional, and family yeah. health within that? And I know it. I know you didn't always. Yeah, that was I was going to say that. <laughs> but, but what was what was your journey in that? If yeah. you're willing to share that, Absolutely, what was your journey yeah. in that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, and I was going to say right away. You mentioned it. It was, it was we definitely didn't the whole time. There was uh, there was certainly seasons where you know in the middle of you know adoption stuff that seemed impossible and. Um, you know financial stuff that seemed impossible, uh, health stuff, you know, being in the hospital from malaria constantly and mm-hmm. just just stuff moments in, in our five years that just seemed um, impossible to say the least you know and, and, and allowing some of that to get to us. Uh, I would say how did how what we learned through that is number one, I would say is community, you know allowing people to be a part of your life. And and allowing yourself allowing yourself to be real with them, that they can pray with you, they can and, and Darren and Fatima were that for us. Mm. You know, in moments when it just seemed impossible, just sitting down with them, having a prayer meeting, and and going after the Lord, the 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 most important thing in all the five years that we were there, that that brought us back out of those times when I was burnt out and Jen was burnt out, and and, and we just. Like you said, the amount of need around us seemed so great that it just felt impossible. There was nothing we were going to do to make it better yeah. sometimes is what it felt like. Uh, it was those Wednesday night prayer meetings. Uh, we'd get together, and we'd all that stress and, um, you know, whether it was sickness or, or impossibilities and things that were on us and Darren and Fatuma uh, would just lift off of us, mm. and we would just go after the Lord. And it was in those moments when we would encounter the Lord in in radical ways. Uh, and at the same time, it would almost always bring about a solution of some kind, whether it was temporary or long term. Yeah. You know, and and it was it was pretty incredible. Like Wednesday night prayer meetings for us were were the light kind of kind of what continued to give us the the energy, the the motivation, the encounter, the, the whatever we needed was coming from those moments. Mm. Definitely. Wow. And I would say that coupled with uh, a determination to, uh, or yeah, a determination to discipline ourselves to spend time with the Lord every day. Mm. Uh, those two things, you know, uh, having a, a hunger for the Lord, or, or I should say, sometimes just being desperate enough to discipline yourself to say, "I need that time with the Lord every single day," mm. uh, and allowing that, or, or sorry, making sure that happens every day. Uh, was definitely the thing. One of the things that that helped us in those moments mm-hmm. because uh, it was moments where I was in the hospital, I couldn't move, and 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 Jen would say the same thing. It no. was it was her coming to the Lord uh, that got us through that. You Do you know?
1: even know how many times you had malaria while you were there? Do you I, I know? don't know.
0: I'm not sure. I would, I would. Jen might know the number. I'm not sure if I know it's the number. It was yeah. was in the, probably, yeah. I don't know, 10, 12, 13 yeah. times, probably, yeah.
1: And I'm just struck by, as you shared there, that thing of where we all want to see miracles, but mm-hmm. none of us want to be in a position where we need one. Oh, and that's, you and put you, that so good. Yeah. And you guys <laughs> were in a position multiple times where yeah. if God doesn't show up, it's not happening like that. It's not, it's nothing is moving forward.
0: Right. Right. And you just saw him show up time and time again. Absolutely. Right. And there's something that the Lord does. There's something that happens in you when you are in that kind of position, uh, which I wouldn't, again, no one wants to be there. Right. But it definitely does bring about a uh, kind of it, it kind of it shifts how you pray for things when you you feel like you don't need it if that, does that make sense like in moments when things are going really well uh it, you're reminded of that time when you you needed god to show up now you don't really need him but i'm still gonna pray like i do does there's that make a, sense like there's try a difference
1: to, with desperate prayers right yeah
0: definitely there is and and so i was always challenged with that because you know why do i there's a there's a you know that that famous country song right now. I, you know, I only ask, I only talk to God when I need a favor. Well, it's true in a lot of ways, right? So yeah. it challenged me in some ways because why is it that I'm can that i only desperate for the Lord in moments when I really need Him, but in yeah. moments when I don't so much, I can kind of forget. Yeah. So in some ways that it definitely, uh, it made me a better person, yeah. 100%, because I, I knew that I, I don't want to just depend on the Lord yeah. when I need a favor. I need to rely on the Lord every day, all yeah. the time. And I know we touched
1: on this a little bit earlier. You talked about living a missional lifestyle, regardless of where you are or what you do. It's living Mm -hmm. a missional lifestyle that you believe is most important. And Mm -hmm. that has helped me so many times, as you always said that the last several years. That's not a new concept. Right. But what is your current perspective of global missions or Mm -hmm. missions as we would think about it here in the West?
0: Yeah, I think there's there's a couple things. So I think number one, I, I believe in... Uh, or I should say, I I feel like all of us need to challenge ourselves to be more missional where we are right now, mm. both missionaries uh, and people who aren't missionaries. There's you know, we're not all missionaries. You know, we have that term. Uh, the description of a missionary is someone being missional in a foreign context. Yeah. So if you're you know, and that doesn't mean that we're less christian it just means you're not a missionary yeah. but it means you you're an evangelist and you're still missional we're still called to, mi- to be yeah. missional does that make sense yeah. i i always like to describe that because yeah. there is a difference between yeah. a missionary and every you know and a lot of and a lot of other things you could yeah. be doing not one's not more important than the other yeah. it's just there is a description there that is important to understand but i would say the 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 just in general i would say all of us being more missional in what we're doing And I believe that as we do that, both in the church, in business, in in everyday life, as we are more missional, the mission's world will grow exponentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I believe that as that happens, those that are supposed to go and be missionaries in a foreign context will go and do that. Because you're missional at home, the Lord will lead you and guide you into that step. Mm -hmm. I just met with someone this morning who is in business, and he feels like the Lord's calling him into missions. Mm -hmm. And I challenged him, I was like, well— what does missional what does being missional look like to you, for you right now? And 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 answering that question can be hard, but I just believe that if every one of us can be missional every day, I just believe that international missions will will be a product of that. Yeah. Does that does that make Absolutely. sense like I yep. just that's something that I've come to a conclusion on in that yeah. I just know it's not that we need to just go and, you know, try to convince people to go be missionaries because then what you'll have is you'll just have people existing in a foreign country. Yeah. And that's not that's not going to do yeah. anything. You're just going to be existing yeah. in a foreign country and there are those doing that, you yeah. know. But I just believe that if every one of us can focus on being missional as a lifestyle, mm-hmm. the you, the the byproduct of that is effective international yeah. missions being yeah. birthed out of that. And, that and carrying
1: sense? the gospel message to the 3 billion people currently estimated that have never heard the gospel. Yes. That's still hard for me to get my head around. Yeah. As we sit here, mm-hmm. like we can talk about theology, different belief systems, different things we've experienced, and yes. there is roughly 3 billion people who mm-hmm. had never even had the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, Absolutely right? Absolutely right. And we can't fathom that here in the West, but right. what I'm hearing is if we as believers here, mm-hmm. in, as we as believers, learn how to live missionally, get in the presence of the Lord, be equipped. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a byproduct of that is going to be ascending movement, one hundred of greater measure.
0: And that's and that's that's definitely my theory. <laughs> yeah. and, and and certainly I I can't say I can't say that you know anytime I look at, and you know this any anytime you see a missional movement we always say it, right it was yeah. preceded by what prayer it was preceded yeah. by a prayer movement yeah. and and I believe that it's within that prayer movement that people started to live missionally yeah. so it 's just it's it 's saying the same yeah. thing it's just it's it 's more of a yeah. process you know it starts in the place of prayer, leads you to a missional lifestyle. And there will always be a a a missional movement. Yep. there will. And but now one of the things that I've been
1: processing the last six months, and some people have peeled, helped me peel back the layers of that, is when you look at those missional movements as mm-hmm. well, there is always an aspect of kingdom business in it. There's Come on, prayer, oh praise God! There's yeah. prayer and there's a sending mm-hmm. movement, but within that there is also God showing up in the workplace, yeah. and so that's why I marvel praise in God. your story that you basically got to live. Fully in one context, and now mm. how God is releasing you fully into another context. Yes. And so I'm basically wondering, what does your experience living as an official missionary, mm. how does that approach now your approach to business? Do you believe? Yeah.
0: I, and again, it's it's, and I come right back to what I said at the beginning. You know, and you know what I'm gonna say. It's 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 living missional. You know, yeah. if I can if I can be the same person, uh, living in Uganda, sitting outside of a hut you know, or, or, or walking, driving my car down the street in a third world country and and ministering to someone I see along the road who's, mm. you can tell they're struggling. I'm going to stop my minister. I'm going to pray for him. Yeah. Of course, that's normal for a missionary. You would never be like, oh, that's strange. Now, a business owner in a car doing that in Lancaster, uh, now that's, you're <laughs> starting to turn some heads at this point, <laughs> you're right? On the fringe now, you know right? what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I just believe, and, and I like what you said. I, I agree. I think there's a, again, a, a drive, I just, I'm passionate about a, 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 uh, a more missional church, not, yeah. not meaning international necessarily, yeah, just missions. generally. Yeah. We are all missional business uh, in every area of our lives. Yeah. And, and I just believe that that's ultimately what's going to impact those yeah. 3 billion because the business people will support the yeah. ones who are called to go, right? Yeah. And, and it's designed to work together, not yeah. against each other. Yeah. And, I, and I believe the only way it works together is when there's this level of trust where I trust that you're doing exactly what the Lord's called you to yep. do, and I'm not going to question that. Yep. And me being a millionaire, you're not going to question that either because because the Lord has called me to be where I am because yep. He's He needs me to equip somebody else yep. to go do something else. And it's just designed to work together, not against yep. each other. And then it's know? just
1: a stewardship principle, right? How do we yeah. steward what God has given us and 100%. release? So, and th- that's a broader context. Obviously, we're always going we, probably all of us are partial to the area that we grew up in or are currently living in, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when I look around Lancaster, I'm like, man, family, business, missions, we've done that so well many times. Well, we've already seen a prayer movement now last, you know, that started, really sparked probably 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so there is, when you think about why there is some many missionaries sent, being sent from Lancaster, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we have prayer, we have st- you know good family, we have mm-hmm. solid business, now we could probably grow in kingdom business, right. but I'm kind of seeing the ingredients and some of the components of what we're talking about present yeah, here probably. in Lancaster and the surrounding area, mm-hmm. but that reaches the nations. 100%. So we are, for the sake of time, I do want to start landing here, and so I know we've talked about many things. I know there is this piece around missional lifestyle for mm-hmm. you that is central and everything you do yep. but if you think about end, you know end of life mm-hmm. what is life well lived for brandon what does what has to be present mm-hmm. to say life well lived
0: yeah I, I love that question i i would say for myself i i i still i still come back to a life that a life that was able to empower people mm. Uh, or I should say, if I can, if I can, you know, come to the end of my life, whenever that might be, and, and I can have, I can have, um, people who were empowered because of the life that I lived. That's, that's certainly my goal. And whether that's in, again, I don't really, I don't really care what context it is, whether it's as an international missionary business or whatever. I just, my, my passion is to empower people. Mm. So if I can, if I can empower a business owner. You know, in in any way to go be missional, to go and uh, you know be more missional in the business world, or or a missionary to uh, you know to you know do more godly finances, or or in, in in to be more missional as a missionary even, you know, like whatever it might be, or to seek the Lord in the place of prayer more, maybe like whatever it might be. My goal is to empower people. Mm. And again, I don't know, I don't really care if there's a dollar amount or not a dollar amount, or if there's a, a description to it necessarily either. Uh, that's my goal. Yeah at the end of my life i want to be able to look back and 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 see that in my life i've been blessed to be able to empower yeah. some people on the way yeah. that's that's certainly the the and i i think that's been the same for me for a long time but it'll continue to be that yeah. in that i want to empower people yeah. i do i i want to empower people yeah. to to go and do what the lord's called yeah. them to do and to be missional in that process yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I just want to say as a friend, even thanks for what you guys have invested your lives in up to this point, because I do. I mean, you guys, you're a catalyst, man. You always take people beyond what they currently believe is possible. You have a gift of faith. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Jen, just laying down her life as a mother, (laughs) as a wife. Just incredible what you guys do as a couple. So Mm -hmm. as a friend... I'm saying thank you for already choosing to live a missional life. Mm-hmm. Thank you for staying in the game. Thanks for staying <laughs> in the fight. And then thanks for empowering people and and catalyzing people and helping them dream bigger and take them beyond what they thought was possible. Awesome. So. Yeah,
0: thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. and
1: thank you for your time here um, to our, our um, guests. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to learn more about Alliance, you can check out allianceus.org. Uh, our website allianceus.org has more about what we're about. Uh, is there somewhere that guests could go if they want to learn more about some of the things you're involved in?
0: Uh certainly. I mean, if they want to go and, and check out um you want to go check out Love and Care for sure. That's the organization. You just go on to www.loveandcareforalluganda.com. That's that's the uh the Love and Care is, is the organization we work with in Uganda. They're incredible. Um and you know as far as what we do now we do campgrounds so you want to go on our campground website we actually so we actually have the, the actual name of the, the business partnership is we're called the campground guys so it's, it's, it's me and three other business partners yeah. and two of them are my brothers and one's yeah. one of my best friends and yeah. so just uh, we're called the campground guys we don't have a website or anything like that yeah. but we, we do have a couple campgrounds up, in, up near State College so uh, but yeah we, we love what we get to do it's been Sounds fun good. well thanks again for your time man thanks Dave <laughs>